0: Welcome to Episode 4 of the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. This is the second part of a two-part conversation I had with Lee Corliss, Vice President at J.P. Morgan Chase, and one of the bank's diversity and inclusion leaders based in the UK. While the previous episode focused on work, in this episode, you will hear a bit more about Lee the man, the husband, and the father, both from his own account and through the perspective of his wife, Jeanette. Jeanette is neurotypical and Lee is on the autism spectrum. As mentioned in the previous episode, Lee's son is also on the autism spectrum. Lee credits his wife for helping him be a better parent and being better at his job. I appreciate their candor in discussing Lee's autism diagnosis later on in life, parenting, and what they've learned about each other and themselves individually. While this is just one neurodiverse family's perspective on marriage and life, it is one that still carries some very universal themes. So with that in mind, let's get started. Tell us a little bit about how you first met and how long you've been married
1: um we've been married for 14 years together for 15 and we met on a night out when lee was down from blackpool um to meet his friends and i didn't want to go out that night but my friends quite literally dragged me and um we got talking to three men who were extremely drunk and <laughs> and it went from there really <laughs>
2: I, I have discovered that um the drinking does turn my brain a little bit more neurotypical so alcohol does have an effect of making me a little bit more sociable but still with huge anxiety so that mm-hmm. was a, it was yeah. an interesting evening i think i think we met or we we sort of saw each other over a bit of a joke and then a lot of the interaction that night um was kind of led by my friends but then because we we lived quite a distance apart 300 miles I think the reason it started to work really well was because a lot of it was done over the phone um from the start so for the first two or three weeks before we saw maybe even a month before we saw each other again was all over the phone so that kind of made that Getting to know each other a bit easier because I wasn't studying in front of it. So, yeah, it was um, it was kind of what you would say if there is such a thing as a normal star.
0: So, Lee, you mentioned uh, previously that your wife was instrumental in helping you learn more about yourself and helping you eventually get that diagnosis. Could you both kind of talk to us about that genesis story? That
1: I think, I think for for me, it was it was almost I had to learn how to deal with him a little differently um, because of the way Jason was. I, it, yeah, for, for, for me, it was learning how to deal with with Jason as the way he was, because he was completely different to his sisters. So I needed to f- find a way of helping me communicate with Jason.
2: Get to know a different way to communicate with Jason. She would really take the time to sit with him. He, he came to us slightly troubled. He was always getting in trouble. And and unfortunately, the way that was dealt with in his home was to be shouted at. And and she, she quickly learned that actually one of his conditions being uh, oppositional defiance disorder, that actually if she she took the time, sat next to him, just spoke to him pretty much like he was an adult, and even though at the time he was you know he was six or seven five um she just took that time and 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 then she started to go to me you're really not seeing any of this in yourself you're really not understanding that this is is how you are at time um and I think the more that she researched and the more that she kept uh, pointing it out to me, the more that we kind of had that, that aha moment that perhaps I need to do something.
1: So on, on the list, as I was going down, I, I could tick things off. That's how Lee was. That's how Lee would react. Um, so I saw a, a lot of similarities.
0: How did that go from there to talking to him about getting a more formal diagnosis?
1: the light bulb moment for me was he was coming home from work and he every time there was something to do about promotion or or work things it was always his behaviors that were holding him down so he would sit there and and he would you know um rage about how he couldn't get any further how people were, he thought, were holding him down. But his behaviours were such, and the way he would talk to people, the way he would deal with people, isn't the way that they wanted to be dealt with, wanted to be spoken to. So he is quite blunt. He is, um, he can come across as rude. And so those behaviours were seen as a negative for him. So we had to find a way of exploring that and finding how he could go forward. Um, and so that's when I suggested that perhaps he should look at getting a diagnosis because it was holding him back in his work life.
0: So... What happened once you got, once you both received this formal diagnosis? What went through both of your minds?
1: For me, it was seeing the relief on Lee's face that he knew then that all his past struggles were not because of him as and his personality. It was because. He was different, or as we put it, his brain is wired differently. So the interactions that he was having, he thought he was perfectly fine. But when you hear those interactions, from my perspective, you, you would almost cringe at the way it came out of his mouth. So when that diagnosis came through, for, for me, it was a relief. Because a lot of things then made sense for your childhood, I think, didn't they? And and how you were.
2: Yeah, it was um, it, it was one of them for me. Uh, getting the diagnosis was yes a relief. I think for the first month it, it it hit me a little bit hard because while it's a relief, it's still a bit of a I don't know. I, I don't, it was very difficult to describe. It just suddenly. That realization that the past thirty years could have been so different. Um, But as you can probably tell now, as Jeanette says, you know, I was probably really blunt back then. I've learned to how to, yeah, how to temper that, how to how to speak uh, to people better. My first reaction is always probably to be what people would call rude or blunt but you know Jeanette's helped me to to take that little bit of time think about what I want to say and how I'm going to say it It, it's kind of learning the filter that probably most people have but for me and I, I know my son is exactly the same so I would say you know there isn't a filter in autistic people I think I've learned how to how to put one there when I think there's a need for one it's not Always there because I still have moments when I don't have a filter and I just blurb it out. Luckily, Jeanette sometimes is there as my barrier, my support.
0: Lee, what aspects of your life? Because Jeanette mentioned that there was a relief. She saw a relief on your face. What aspects of your life do you think would be different had you known earlier?
2: Uh, we spoke about this actually at the weekend. If I, if I'm being truthful. If I go back, I mean, pretty much every aspect of my life would have probably been different depending when I was diagnosed. If I was diagnosed as a child, then my school life would have been completely different and I may have taken a different path. I, I may have been, you know, gone into to finance earlier because, you know, numbers and facts and figures I've always been good at. But I tried to drive a different path. It's a really, really bad thing to say but it's the truth. I wouldn't have got married the first time because I look back now. I conformed. I was creating a life that I think people expected of me, and that are expected of people. You know, you meet somebody, you have that relationship, you 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 get married. I didn't have many relationships when I was young, um, so I I probably looking back conform. So. What would have been different? Probably a huge, huge amount. But right now, I wouldn't change it because would I have got to this point? Would I have met Jeanette? Would I have the life that I have now? No. So I'm not going to change it. I'm not going to ever change who I am. I've adapted and made a better version of me, but I've done that not for everybody else. I've done it for myself and I've done it for Jeanette. And that's that's it. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change me for anybody else. I'm not going to change myself to get a promotion at work. I'm just going to make the better version of myself. And if that's seen and I get promoted, great. If I don't, I'm not going to worry about it. I've got, I'm acting in the better version of myself. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: definitely. And you don't have to be somebody that you're not. And I think you've spent most of your life doing that. Um, you, you didn't have friends and, and, and a lot of the things you did were quite solitary. So I think you've just accepted who you are.
2: Which we can't describe here <laughs> what <Well>, that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you've mentioned to me previously that Jeanette has also been instrumental with coping mechanisms when you had to deal with change, like rapid change. So, could you give us an example of what you're referring to when you first said that, and how you've successfully implemented dealing with change over time?
2: Uh, Yeah, Jeanette always helps me find a structure. That's what I. That's what I need. You know, when change happens, you just need guidance. Most people, when they change, it's it comes natural to them to figure out a way to adapt. It doesn't come naturally to me. My my initial reaction and my son is. Probably even a worse version of me is is to act like the world has ended. You know, you're making a change, and 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 that is it. You know, I, I can go off at the deep end. How dare they make that change for me? You know, everybody else is at fault, not me, not not the situation. It's I push the blame somewhere else. And and Jeanette, as I always sort of said, right, stop. Let's take this in. What's happened? What needs to change? And it's it's that thought process that she's helped me to find, and and then helps me to talk through and go. Okay, well, I'm thinking about doing it this way, and she'll go. Well, yeah, that makes sense. So so why not? And and we spoke earlier about when COVID hit and and having to work from home and the rapid change. And I said to Jeanette early on, you know, I'm struggling with this doesn't feel like my home anymore but equally to know that Jeanette was feeling the same because as I said to you suddenly it became we might as well have stuck with JP Morgan above our front door and it's 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 how do you make that change and Jeanette went right we've got to stop we gotta to make this better so making this room the office uh, as such and and creating one room that became the office and that routine so she helped establish that now, I still have a booming voice um, and she still hears me through the floors so every now and again my my phone will go off and she will um, send me a text message that basically says shush um varying varying degrees of politeness depending on how loud I'm being <laughs> but you know it's that frankness as well from her that helps she doesn't she doesn't sugarcoat things she will be very direct and It stops me in my tracks and makes me think, whereas people who spend a lot of time trying to explain things to me, I lose interest very quickly, and then that's where I'll struggle even further. So her knowing to be blunt, when I know she's not a blunt person, she's not that way with anybody else except my son. So all of those things that she does, that she's changed her approach to me and to, to Jason have meant... It makes my life easier. It still doesn't make her life easier because she's still got to live with me. And that, you know, that is difficult. And as an autistic person, sorry to say, I I am exceptionally selfish. I am very self-absorbed and I work hard not to be. And she will tell me at times when I'm succeeding, but she will equally be blunt and tell me when I'm not succeeding. And that's what really works is the bluntness. Other people might go, oh, you know, how do you get away with speaking to you know each other like that we we know what works for us and you know we argue exceptionally rarely because i know when she's being blunt that she's actually doing it for a reason
0: i was actually going to ask you this later on but you brought it up earlier about your communication styles and you said you each know we said something really important you each know what the other one means so maybe an outsider may look at it and say oh that might be too harsh of language but how did you develop that over time
1: i think it was like an organic thing wasn't it where i mean if, if you've if you've ever been shopping with lee who has a list and you go off piece on that list he quite literally has a meltdown and I'm like deal with it but if anybody else outside heard the way that we sometimes speak to each other I think they'd be horrified but I think it it works for us doesn't it and I I think that's developed what is this? this it's developed over a few years hasn't it yeah whereas I used to try and temper things down I used to try and approach him as I would anybody else, but that doesn't work. It doesn't calm him down. It doesn't make him feel better. So I I think the the way it's developed is I've had to be, and with Jason, I've had to be direct, honest and direct.
0: So as I've been, I've been married for around the same time you all have been. I've been married for 13 years. And what I tell people who are not yet married is you don't only learn about your partner. You learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. So what have each of you learned about yourselves being married for as long as you have?
2: I think I, I think I said it earlier. I, I know I'm very selfish. I know I can be very self-absorbed. I know things have always had to be done my way because they make me comfortable. I've planned it, that's my routine, and how dare you change it? And, and yeah, how dare you buy something out of, one out of order in the shop, or two not even on the list? Heavens above. Um, <laughs> uh, so now, you know, and, and I even knew, you know, I know my way around the, the supermarket, so I know my list is planned by aisle, the way we would walk around the shop. So so if she would even dare walk down a different aisle at the run I know all of those things, but you know, being married to Jeanette has pointed that out to me more, and I know then what. What do I need to soften the edges of? Because I know I'm never going to completely change. I know that that's not going to happen. But what needs to change to make it work? And and that that has been a big learning curve for me is having that self awareness now that has stretched into work. You know, has stretched into. Having a more self-awareness of when I might be being over-direct, and taking a step back and and rounding that off, but that comes from from Jeanette really pointing these things out to me. If if you actually knew her and me as people, we we are polar opposites. When when we met, she was an ex. She's exceptionally has quite a lot of friends. She's really was outgoing, was bubbly. I say was, she still is, but she's a little bit more withdrawn and and I wouldn't say that's because of me. She's been through a serious illness. But, you know, some of mine has worn off on her and, and sometimes I think that's not fair, but she never complains.
1: I always think, for, for me as well, what I've learned, it's okay to stand up for myself. It's okay not to accept emotional blackmail almost that's being aimed at you um to try and get you to, to work to how they want to you know for, for you to work to it's i think it's okay to to, to for, for me to say no um and for me to say no I, i'm not going to do it that way um this is how it's going to be done today um and that i can i can stand up for myself and and not be bent to his will all the time.
2: I know when things don't go my way, I will stamp my feet. But she'll stand the ground. What it does is makes me look at what I've just stamped my feet at and go, "Um, yeah, maybe I reacted a little bit too quickly.
1: But it's not always at the time, is it sometimes you go away and then come back and, and, and see that, you know, it doesn't have to be through his eyes all the time.
0: Jeanette. Um, When I first spoke to Lee, he also sung your praises about him being a better father as a result, as a direct result of being with you. Let's dig a little deeper there. How so? How so?
1: I think it's, again, to use the words, it softened the edges of his fatherhood. So, he would deal with problems that's how you deal with it bam end of then that there was no compassion behind it there was no softness that went with it I will solve your problems don't ask me for anything emotional whereas now he sees that he can give to his children without taking away from him so he can he can deal with a situation not just on the okay. practical that's the word not on the, just not just on the practical level but he can also deal with it emotionally, Al- albeit in a different manner than I would deal with it. So. I would have always dealt with his eldest daughter if she was having a problem. And even Jason, even Jason, if it was an emotional problem. Whereas now I say, no, no, that they're, they're your children as well. You have to deal with both sides. So he will have a conversation now. He will He will deal with something and deal with it softer, I think, than he used to. Definitely.
0: So Lee, was that like other things, just with practice over time? How did you feel those first initial times that you tried to delve into the more emotional end of fatherhood?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I still now will say to Jeanette, how will you? Do, how would you deal with it? What would you do? And and then I find from that my own version of of Jeanette, if you like. I'm not because. I know she's taken that emotional point in uh, sort of on board that the children are trying to get across. And I won't see that emotional side. I am the person who will solve the problem. I'm not the person that's going to put my arm around you and and cure the emotion. Um, in, our, in our relationship, if it's an emotional problem, please go to Jeanette. It's a lot easier. She'll put an arm around you. She knows the right word to say at the right time um but what what it it, it's still difficult it's really difficult and do I want to do it hell no I don't but Jeanette's not going to let that that's not an answer to Jeanette it is well you're going to do it and you're going to try it and if it backfires I'll step in and help but you've got to try so I I feel sorry for Jeanette at times because you know I'm like an extra child that's how you old children isn't it no i'm not doing that for you try it and if you fail then i will help you um so yeah at times i'm an extra child but you know what i think most husbands feel that way sometimes
1: they're saying in this family of you baby what would connect to that's <laughs> and that's how they deal with situations they think about it Um, And because I have a way of approaching things that I will step back and I will think. And I I think about things before I say them. Lee does not.
0: How do you think, Lee, you being on the spectrum affects the dynamic with your son, either positively or in a challenging way?
2: Uh, I would say when it was younger, it was challenging when he was younger. So, you know, he was... He, he's obviously a son from my first marriage he's he lived with his mother for a lot of the time and and i saw him monthly because i i lived 300 miles away from him so it was a, it was a challenging relationship yet i think with him I, he came around when i moved into the children's nursery so he spent a lot of his naught to two years with me and he he had a kind of bond so although he's on the spectrum he is a very loving child he he loves hugs Uh, Mm -hmm. I hate hugs Uh, the only person I can hug is Jeanette Uh, when my children try and hug me it's it's I'm very (laughs) I'm very uncomfortable and and so it was a challenge but yeah he has always for some unknown reason I've never understood it always looked up to me so the relationship has thrived because of Jason just constantly looking at me like putting me on a pedestal even Mm. and I don't I've never understood why and you know I I, he now looks at me and when he's thinking about a career he says well I just want to be like you I want to achieve like you and whilst that's great I still say but I haven't achieved I'm not where I want to be so I don't I don't see myself as in the same vein that I think he sees me and yeah I mean Jeanette sees it a lot more than me I, I I still struggle to think Why, why, why is he, you know, this close? Why does he look at me that way? I still don't understand it.
1: He absolutely idolises me. I mean, idolises him.
2: He's got time to grow out of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He will.
0: (laughs) Is there any advice you would give a newlywed neurodiverse couple? Any advice you would want to give them?
1: I think take the time to find your own level for, you know, and, and find find what works with you. And, and that's, it doesn't matter what other people think from, from outside looking in. I think you have to find what works on your level. I don't take advice from anybody else how I should run my marriage. I know how Lee works. I know what he's thinking and when he's thinking it. So if other people see him as rude, I defend that because until you get to know him and you you know why he does the things and the way he does them, then I you know, I, I know what works in our marriage. So and then that's that's fine by me. That's fine by me.
2: Yeah, it's uh, okay. Uh, the the, the one piece of advice I would give perhaps to to any neurodiverse person is find your neck oh god (laughs) you you, know you need to find somebody who's going to drive you and support you um you know she's laughing she probably thinks that's cheesy, but I thrive because of our relationship so yeah it's it's tough but what she said is right you've got to find what works for you and and not listen to outside influences too many people try and be and we spoke about this earlier what pe- other people expect them to be mm. and and if you're going to do that then you know you're not being yourself and then they're not you end up drifting apart because you're tr- you become a different person and it's not the person that, that you met Jeanette has never changed she's the same person 15 years on does things in the same way tells me off every day in the same way <laughs> um, calls me all kinds of names that are unrepeatable but you know they they're, they're very much meant that that works for us and when other people see it
0: you know again but we don't care we just don't care because it works for us what do you after all this time what do you both like about each other
1: nothing <laughs> I, I like the fact that he's so driven, and that his his mind is very clever, very sharp. Um, it it doesn't always matter that the emotional side of things aren't a priority. I I, I know I know where I am on the pile, <laughs> but his his work ethic and his his attitude of wanting to do better for us. think is amazing because he's driven to make our lives better and and that's and that's something I admire greatly what do you admire about me Lee? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, I can't repeat the answer of nothing no I mean um, no seriously I mean that that caring that emotional side the bit that You know, that I'm missing, that that tip, if you like, that's missing in my personality um, is the greatest thing that Jeanette has. She cares about everything and everybody um, and really is very emotional about it. And and I don't have that. Um, I have that with her, but I don't have that about anybody else. You know, Jeanette, unfortunately, is my kryptonite. If things go wrong, it's because... Somebody's done wrong to Jeanette, somebody's done upset her. Um, you can call me what you want, you can say what you want, you can do what you want. That's not gonna hurt me, but if it affects Jeanette, so that's what I, I love the most about her is, is that affectionate.
1: Yeah, and What he's missing, I have, what I'm missing, he has.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. As we move beyond the employment space into dealing with everyday life on the spectrum, our next episode touches upon intersectionality, particularly the intersectionality of race and disability. We hope you can join us. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe if you haven't already done so, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform. You may be listening to this episode on if you are interested in listening to more episodes and understanding how this podcast came to be, please check out notyourmamasautism.com and follow us on Instagram at notyourmamasautism. See you in two weeks.
2: Not Your
1: Mama's Autism podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lilla, Dada Ollie, and it's also co-written and produced by me, Fela Ollie. My dad, little sister Lero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosin Ali, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Olana Williams Ali, who did our graphic design.
2: See you guys soon.